This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Before I pray, I'd like to read from Galatians chapter 5. This will be the focus for our sermon series. We're starting a new sermon series today called Fueled, what it means to be fueled by the Spirit. And we're going to hear different qualities, what happens, the fruit of the Spirit, what comes when you're connected with the Holy Spirit. And today I'll be focusing on the first fruit or the first thing fueled by the Spirit of love, not lust. So I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, somebody fueled by the Spirit, is love. And that's what I'll be focusing on today. Love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for gathering us here this morning to hear your word. We pray that you would fuel us with the Holy Spirit, that we'd be guided and directed to respond to our desires according to the Spirit. And don't let me, your servant, get in the way of what you are doing. Amen. This morning, we're going to have the talk. You know what talk I'm talking about, the, the talk about the birds and the bees, the, the talk about intimacy. We're going to talk about that because everybody is having the talk. The talk is happening on TV, if you, uh, in every song. If you go on Spotify and you look at the top 50 uh, most listened to songs, all of them, almost all of them, are having the talk. Actually, don't go on Spotify. You know, you, it's all explicit, right? Um, the top 50. Uh, the talk is happening in every movie. It's happening in every TV show. The talk is happening on playgrounds. The talk is happening on YouTube. The talk is happening everywhere except for here in church. And so we need to have the talk here in church because actually God invented the talk. And he can tell us what it's really all about. But this is a hard subject um, for us to speak about, especially in church, because it is a place of so much pain and suffering and guilt and shame. According to the best statistics in the best neighborhoods and the best families, one out of four girls, women, have been sexually abused. One out of six men in the best of families, in the best situations. And that creates so much pain and suffering and shame and guilt and hiding. 
Also, there's so many other things that are swirling around, uh, uh, different addictions made of pornography or discord in the family. And, and, and also, not to mention, we also have people of different ages here. And so this is going to be a difficult talk, and I'll do my best to be sensitive as we talk about it and stick to God's word. And hopefully through God's word, we'll be guided what he wants from us and, and what does it look like to be fueled by the Spirit, fueled for love, not lust. And so let's begin by going to God's word. In fact, let's open up to page one of the Bible. And what we find on page one of the Bible is God creates human beings. And and it says this, um, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. One thing that you should recognize is when God made human beings on page one, it had nothing to do with their sexuality. You know, today we, we've kind of reduced to what it means to be a human with who you're sleeping with, what your desires are, that's your identity. But when God creates human beings, they're, they're created in the image of God. That's what makes you human. Not your desires, not your shame, not your guilt, not your past. What makes you human is that Men and women, you are created in the image of God. That means you're created to reflect God, to reflect the character of God. If you're married or single, um, you all have this. We're all created in the image of God. That's why we were created. That's on page one of the Bible. So you are more than your sexual desires and your sexuality, all those things. A human being, what makes a human being is a human was created in the image of God. That's page one. Page two, God does talk about this gift of marriage and sexuality as he creates Adam and then he creates Eve and he brings Eve to Adam and they have the first marriage ceremony. And then God explains what he did when he created marriage. And and here's the definition of marriage. Right away in the second page of the Bible, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. It's beautiful. It, it, it says, first of all, God unites one man and one woman. He unites them in marriage. He brings them together and united in marriage. And, and, and you stand before God and his people and, and you say things like, I will be devoted to you and, and for better or worse, sickness or health, good times and bad, until death do us part. And so that's what God does. He unites a man and woman. And then what does it happen? After he unites a man to his wife, then after they're married, then they become one flesh. Then they act out their promises. They dramatize their promises. I like the way uh, Pastor Tim Keller explains the gift of marriage and then also the gift of sexuality. He says, if you have sex inside of a covenant, marriage, inside of marriage, Then sex becomes a covenant renewal ceremony. You're getting married all over again. You are saying, I belong completely and exclusively to you, and I'm acting it out. So that's what this gift of sexuality actually is. you, You make these promises to be devoted to one another, that you can have my money, you can have my time, you can have all of me. I'm completely devoted to you. And now we get to act it out. And now we're going we're gonna to dramatize that in the marriage bed. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what's so destructive when, when sex outside of marriage. It's, um, I want something for, from you, but I'm not ready to be completely devoted to you. I'm not ready to give you everything, but I want something from you. 
And so uh, if you're filling in the blank, on the first fill in the blank, uh, the definition of marriage or, or, or the, 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 the explain this gift of, of sexuality, it, you can fill in the blank, it's this. Number one, sex is a good gift from God. It's not dirty, it's a good gift from God, dramatizing the love of marriage and more importantly, the love of God. It's not something dirty, it's not something wrong, it's a good gift that God gave us where you dramatize the commitment a husband and wife have together and you're dramatizing ultimately God's devotion to his people. But now you might be thinking, well, if it's such a good gift, if this is such a good thing to be completely devoted and committed to one another in this beautiful gift and, 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 and enjoying one another, and this is one of God's greatest gifts before and any problems came to the world, why is there so many problems? Why is there so much pain and hurt around this subject? Why are there things like abuse and, and, and pornography and discord inside of a marriage? You thought maybe after I got married, everything was going to get better, and, and it, it's, it's still difficult inside of a marriage. Why is that? Well, because we go to page three of the Bible. Page one of the Bible, God creates humans. Page two, God creates marriage and sexuality. Page three, God brings Adam and Eve into their home, into this garden, it's beautiful. They have everything they need. And at the center of the garden, there is this tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God says, you can eat from every tree in the garden. You just can't eat from that tree that's in the middle of the garden. Um, that's my tree. God was saying, I decide what's good and evil. I'm in control of good and evil. I'm in the center of your life. And when you eat from that tree, you're saying, I'm God. I want to decide what's good and evil. And guess what? Human beings were terrible at distinguishing good and evil. We have this funny way of, of, of twisting what is good according to our own desires and what's evil is what everybody else is doing. And so Eve goes up to that tree. She takes from that tree. She gives the fruit to Adam who is with her, who doesn't do anything to stop her. And it breaks everything. Um, he says, the day that you eat from that tree, you will die. And they did die spiritually. And then eventually they would die physically. And they became selfish and, and self-centered. And they passed that on to each one of us. And so when it comes to this area of sexuality, because of Adam and Eve, we're all broken. It's not like when you, you come into church and, oh, there's the, the pure side. Those are the pure people over there. And then here's the broken side of the church. According to, to the Bible, because of what says on page three of the Bible, all are broken. All are broken when it comes to this area of sexuality. There's nobody who's completely getting this right or completely pure. All are broken. Maybe I could say it this way. Maybe this is a, kind of maybe a trivial example, but, but here's one. It's not a perfect illustration, but God creates an apple. He creates something good. He creates... An apple, and, and what we're finding out as we continue to study apples, we find out like they have the perfect amount of antioxidants. There's um, uh, the they're, they're perfect combination of, of fiber and sugar and vitamins, and it's just and it comes hand delivered. Pluck it off the tree. God creates something good. He creates an apple, and then we turn it into apple jacks, <laughs> right? Have you looked at the ingredients on apple jacks? You, you you turn it starts with like 
genetically modified corn and then some like um, genetically modified wheat. And then after that, you know, you have chemicals and coloring and dye. And like the last ingredient is like apple juice, which means they kind of like sucked out some of the sugary part of the apple and left all the vitamins and fiber. And they kind of like sprayed that over the top of the apple jacks. And it's actually probably healthier to eat the box instead of actually eating the cereal of apple jacks, right? But it feels good in the moment, right? I can eat like, I can eat like five boxes of Apple Jacks, never actually feel satisfied, but it's, it's a quick buzz of sugar and you just kind of devour those things. So God makes something good, apples, and we turn into Apple Jacks. And that's not a perfect illustration, but that's kind of what's happened when it comes to sex, right? God makes something good. We strip it of its original design. We take out all the, the things that it's connected with, with marriage and children and, and commitment And we just go for the high. We just go for satisfying our own desires. And it leaves us feeling empty, like eating five boxes of Apple Jacks. Well, there's kind of this movement that's going on. Maybe you've recognized it, and you can kind of see it when you go into a grocery store. There is this renewed idea that, you know what? We need to go back to food how it's originally designed. And so you go in the grocery store, and it's just filled with organic and natural. And there's this whole movement to try to get back to how the food was originally designed. And the closer we can get uh, to the original design, the more the food's going to taste better, the better we're going to feel. There's this whole movement in the food industry. And here's what I'm hoping that what has happened in the area of food we could also have happen in the area of sexuality. That we could go back to the original design as close as we could because that'll be best for us. And so that's the question I want to answer today is how can we honor God's uh, design of intimacy? How can we honor God's original design? How can we go back and honor it? And and to answer that question, I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 5. And this will be focusing on the next few weeks as we go through this fueled study. Galatians um, is a letter, that's what this book is all about, it's a letter written to people in Galatia, it was an ancient city in Turkey, and and they were a pagan culture filled with all sorts of um, different views about sex and sexuality, they worship sex, and and now this group became Christians, and they're trying to figure out, all right, what does it look like to now honor God in this area of intimacy, What does it look like? And so Paul now, the writer, is going to write to them and explain what does it look like to have a, a life fueled by the Spirit, fueled for love, not lust. And so he says this, verse 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Easy enough, right? Walk by the Spirit. Let's do the right thing. Walk by the Spirit and you're not going to gratify the, the, you know, eat apples, not apple jacks. It's easy, right? Uh, Do the right thing. Honor marriage. Don't have sex until you're married. And then inside of marriage, enjoy that gift according to God's design. Walk by the Spirit. Well, it's one thing to say that, but Paul knows that there's something else working there. And so he goes on to explain why it's easy to say, hard to follow through. Verse 17. For the flesh... Our sinful flesh, what we inherited from Adam and Eve, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. You ever feel that, that that, the battle going on inside of you? It's not, you know the right thing, you know the right thing, but there is this battle going on inside of you to carry it out. 
That's because, and some people think, well, when I become a Christian, life's going to be easy. Then I'm going to actually do the right thing. Actually, that's when it gets really hard. Because now you have this conflict inside of you. What naturally you want to do, how you naturally uh, came to faith, or the natural thing is following what Adam says, or now this new way of living followed by the Spirit. And this is conflict. And he says, so you shouldn't do whatever you want. So living by this idea of if it feels good, do it, is not a good model for life, right? If you just did whatever desire popped in your head, you said yes to every desire, it would destroy you, right? If you said yes to every desire that popped up in your heart, it would destroy you. And so there's this conflict you have to fight against. Well, how do you know what you're supposed to be fighting? How do you know what's good? How do you know what's evil? How do you know what comes from God and what comes from our sinful flesh? Well, Paul goes on. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. It's obvious, he says. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. What's so obvious about this? What brings these all together? I think one word is selfishness. One thing that that ties all this together is this idea, I have a need, I have a desire, and I want my needs met. It's a selfishness, selfish ambition, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. It's all, I am in the center. I'm putting myself in the center, and I want my desires to be satisfied. That's what makes it obvious. That's what ties all these desires together. Well, what does it look like to be fueled by the Spirit? What does it look like to follow the Holy Spirit inside of us? But the fruit of the Spirit, it says, verse 22. What happens when you're fueled by the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice the difference here. It's what comes out of us. When we're filled up with the Holy Spirit, we're fueled by God's Holy Spirit, then we want to give love. Love is a sacrifice. Love is not just a feeling. Love is not just what I want to take. Love is something I give away. Peace is something I give away. Patience is something I give away when I'm fueled by the Spirit, when I'm filled up with the love of God. So again, why can't we do this? Why isn't our lives always following what God says? It says, Paul says, the acts of the flesh, the things that destroy us, they're obvious. They might be obvious, but they're not easy. We were having kind of a discussion in uh, amongst the staff here this week as I'm trying to work through this illustration of apples and apple jacks. And it was kind of funny listening to different people's perspectives. And the conversation came up, but I like apple jacks, right? <laughs> I don't like that illustration. Not speaking to anyone personally, right? But <laughs> I like apple jacks, right? And, and, uh, and so we we're kind of talking about this. And, and it's okay to eat Apple Jacks, right? That's not going to destroy your soul to eat some Apple Jacks. I like cereal too, right? That's not the issue. But it was funny as we discussed this amongst, you know, all of it. And I, I kept on talking with different people about this, that, that the, the discussion sounded uh, very familiar, right? Well, I deserve a 
some apple jacks every once in a while, right? Like, you know, I just, I get so stressed out and I just, I need a box of apple jacks every once in a while. Just, you know, I know it's not good for me, but it's not horrible. And, you know, there's worse things I could be doing. And again, that's just cereal. That's not going to destroy you. But it sounds a lot like how we might talk and excuse some of our sexual sin, right? Well, I have this urge, I have this need, you know, it's not hurting anybody. You know, some people are doing way worse stuff, and this is how things are right now. And, and we could just have a, a way of twisting good and evil. And what happens when we give in to that evil? Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame and sin, right? That's what happens. Guilt and shame overwhelm us. And maybe you heard that we were going to be talking about this and you didn't even want to come to church today because there's just so much guilt and shame surrounding this subject. There's so much heartache, so much pain, so much suffering. Well, how do you respond to that? Verse 24. This is the way you respond to that guilt and shame, that struggle, those times you lost, that battle. Those who belong to Christ... Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire... You belong to Christ. That's where you're going to find healing. You don't belong to your sin. You don't belong to your past. What you belong to, you belong to Jesus Christ. That's who you belong to. And if you feel empty because you think, you know, I want to get married or I want my marriage to get better. I want to have freedom in this area. Well, remember... What's more important than your marital status or your sexual orientation or your desires, what matters more than that is that you belong to Christ because he bought you with his own blood. He bought you with his own blood. In fact, they use marriage language. The Bible uses marriage language when it talks about your baptism. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for washing her with water. Just like God washed you with water and made you pure in Jesus Christ in your baptism. The Bible uses marriage language when we have the Lord's Supper that God gives us a new covenant. When you come forward and take the Lord's Supper, God is making a promise to you. He's getting married to you all over again that you belong to him because he bought you with his own blood. He is making a covenant, a promise to you to be devoted to you in sickness and health, good times and bad, until death do us part. That's what God is saying when you take the Lord's Supper. And so most of all, first of all, you need to realize if you want to get over your guilt and shame, you want to have some renewal in this area of your life, remember first and foremost, you belong to Christ. And you belong to Christ, you have a new power. You can crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, how does that look? What does that look like? He goes on to say, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, the Spirit brought you to life, that's, how, that's why you're here, is because the Holy Spirit brought you to life, that you want something, you want to be with God, you love God, you know you're forgiven, you made alive by the Spirit, now let's keep in step with the Spirit. You've been made alive by the Spirit, now walk with the Spirit, be fueled by the Spirit. The, the picture here is actually marching with the Spirit. Now, I don't know, some of you, I actually talked to some people on the way in today that uh, mili- they're in the military, and, and when you're in the military, you've got to fall, fall in line and march, Right? You march according to the leader. Any of you have played army? Anybody uh, been maybe in a dance class where you have to follow the leader, follow the steps of the leader? That's what God is saying here. March in the spirit. So if you're doing the fill in the blank, the second fill of the blank is march. March in line with the spirit. What the Holy Spirit says, you want to be fueled by the spirit, you want to fall in line with the spirit. You want to walk with the spirit. Do what the spirit is prompting you to do. 
follow what he says. Now, now let's get real practical. What does that actually look like? What does that actually look like to march according to the Spirit? Well, let's say uh, if, if you're a single man and that testosterone gets dropped into your bloodstream, you're a single man and you think, well, I have this urge, I have this need, I deserve something, I need, I need my needs met. And so maybe I'm going to find a woman who's going to meet my needs and make me feel good right in this moment. Or, or maybe I click on something or uh, go on the internet. You have that desire, but the desires of the flesh is what can I get out of it? How can I have my needs met? To walk by the Spirit and to march in line with the Spirit, that testosterone gets dropped in your system, it's God's way of saying, go get a job. <laughs> go get a job and become the kind of man that can win her heart. Be the kind of person that can woo her the way God has wooed us. The, God, the, the one who's made sacrifices, did not put himself first, but gave himself up as a ransom for many. Make those sacrifices to win her heart. If you're a single woman and, and you have that deep desire to, be, to belong to somebody, to be with somebody, to be loved by somebody, maybe the desires of the flesh as well. I'm going to protect myself from being hurt. And I've talked to many women who said, you know, I'm just going to live with him because then he can't say no, then he can't divorce me. I'm going to protect myself from ever being in pain. And so I'm just going uh, to keep myself from that. But that's living in fear. That's living by the desires of the flesh of fear. Or maybe you say, you know what, um, well, just, I have to give in to what he says. If, if I don't give in to what he says and I don't meet his needs, he's going to leave and then I'll be all alone again. That's being led by fear, not by the Spirit. The Spirit sounds a lot more like Beyonce. The only time I will quote Beyonce from the pulpit. <laughs> the Spirit sounds a lot more like Beyonce. If you like it, you can put a ring on it, right? <laughs> that you're worth it. That, that you belong to Christ. And if you belong to Christ, you're worth it. And, and that's where we need to find our worth and not, not and our belonging, that we belong to Christ. Now, maybe you thought, well, okay, I'll just get married. And once I get married, all these problems go away. Talk to somebody who's married. See if all the sexual issues go away, right? That's not the answer. You still need to fight against this. You still need to struggle. And, and so if you're a man and, and that testosterone has dropped in your system, and you might think, well, I've been a good husband and, and I deserve this and, you know, uh, she needs to meet my needs and, and what's the problem? Uh, that's flesh. That's the desires of the flesh saying, I need my needs met. Desires are good, but when you have that desire, I heard one pastor say, that's God's way of saying, go be nice to the girl, Right? That's a reminder that you are to make that sacrifice and put her first. A reminder you need to get to work and love her like Christ loved you. And then when you get married and, and, and the woman might be thinking, well, it's all he wants, right? Well, to understand that for a man, that's what it means to, be, to belong. That's what it means to be close. That's what it means to be, to, to be connected to my wife, right, is, is an intimacy. And it's not something dirty. It's something that draws us together. Now, I'm just touching the surface of so many other issues. I even got to all the issues surrounding this of, of, of all these other things that, that, could, that, that you could be d d struggling with. And so I do have some resources in the worship folder. At the bottom of the worship folder, there's websites and, and books and resources that I have found helpful that I hope that you might need to take a next step with this that maybe could answer some more questions. But in all this, here's what I would say. In every one of these issues, go talk to somebody. 
That's the Holy Spirit keeps us in line with his word is go talk to somebody. If you've been abused and you're in an abusive relationship, go talk to somebody. Talk to Pastor Bill, talk to myself, uh, talk to somebody if you've been abused and, and get the hope and the healing that you need, protection you need. Um, if you're struggling with an addiction to pornography, go talk to somebody. I know a pastor who went to the church every day, prayed every day, memorized Bible passages every day, and he said, the only thing that broke my addiction to pornography, he said, was when I told somebody. You gotta tell somebody. That's how the Holy Spirit uh, brings all this into light and we can walk by the Spirit. Uh, if you're struggling with sexual immorality outside of marriage, go talk to somebody. Talk to a counselor, talk to a pastor, talk to a friend, talk to the body of Christ, talk to somebody. And, and you got married and you thought that was gonna answer all your problems, but you still have problems inside of your marriage in this very important area. Go talk to somebody. And the body of Christ, you and I, believers and Christian counselors, we can all work together to help us keep being fueled by the Holy Spirit. Now, I think this is a subject and a, and a, a topic worth dying on. This is a subject worth, worth talking about and worth focusing on. Um, and we know the devil's focusing on it, right? The devil wants to distract us in so many ways. So this must be important. If the devil is so involved in this, he wants to keep us distracted. Why? Well, not just because I think it's important that we have healthy sexuality, healthy understanding of, of, of God's gift of marriage, healthy marriages for, for good families and children. That's not the only reason, but there's a much bigger reason. You see, when you turn to the last page of the Bible, the very end of things, you know what it says? It's this picture of, of Jesus returning to this world, and it says he's like a bridegroom coming to meet his bride. And his church, God's people, are his bride. And, and we'll be resurrected, and this world will be resurrected, and we start our relationship forever. The last day is pictured as a, a wedding feast. You see, our deep desires of intimacy, our deep desires of belonging, are pointing to something greater, our deepest desire to be with God. And that's why we have to get this right, because it's pointing to something much higher, much more important, much more, uh, much deeper it's pointing to our relationship and our eternal relationship in the new heavens and new earth being one with God. So I pray that every day as we work together, as we point each other back to scripture, we'll be fueled by the spirit, fueled for love, not lust. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would use these words to awaken our belief that your word is true even and especially in this very hot topic of, of sexuality, that you would show us again the gift of intimacy and how it was originally designed, that you would help us to, to live lives of purity, honoring your gift of love and devotion. Lord God, I pray that you would forgive us all of our sins, that you'd wash us clean, that you'd give us freedom from guilt and shame, and that in all things we bring glory to your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.